Good morning. We are so glad to be here with you this morning. My name is Sarah and this is Micah and we're the lead pastors at the Vine Church in Kennewick, Washington. And I'm excited because this weekend we've actually seen the sun. Yeah, the smoke has started to clear. We've been outdoors a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's It's been a really nice weekend. We are thankful for the smoke clearing and we'll continue to pray for the fires and those um, fighting the fires for their safety. So thank you for joining us. Hopefully you get to, to get outside a little bit this weekend. Yeah, so today we conclude a brief series we've done in the book of Esther. And Esther and her people are in dire circumstances, far worse than any I can recall in life. But I do remember an experience in life kind of uh, somewhat parallel to what they might be experiencing in this moment. I remember I was leading a, a mission trip down to Central America, and we were working with a school there that was funded by a church in the States. And uh, we got down there and we begin our work. And there was some strange kind of quirky things that we were witnessing as we were there at the school. And um, uh, days into our trip, there was a neighbor that was surrounded um, on, on two sides, uh, his home by the school complex. And he was sitting out front and just to be friendly and start conversation, I walked over and began talking with him. And he quickly began to tell me about um, the money laundering and um, just all sorts of things that were happening at the school. And I didn't know whether to believe this or not, um, but I sat and, and listened. And uh, I remember staff at the school and people watching while I sat and talked with this guy. He was known to be kind of against the school. At any rate, that night we went back to the complex that we were staying at. And um, that night, the only night of the trip this happened, the guard dogs were just going crazy at this mm -hmm. complex. And I remember being awake all night just in panic. I was responsible for some 18 kids, you know, youth, youth group members there on the trip. And I was just in a panic. I did not know what was happening, if there was corruption or if the fact that these guard dogs are going crazy were related to it. And I remember a few days later, as the trip ended, as we got on the plane, the sense of relief. And yet, mm -hmm. uh, the, the journey wasn't over in that I felt obligated to share with the sponsoring church the things that I had heard and seen while I was there. In time, there was an investigation, and they found that the principal had been siphoning off the money. And, uh, um, and finally, resolution began to come to that situation. But I'm, I'm reading, we're reading the story of Esther and we're just exploring the emotional roller coaster, the fear, the excitement as God takes action. And so today we begin to conclude that story. Absolutely. So we've been talking about the book of Esther for two weeks now. The first week we just explored the crisis that the Jews were in. The Jews were scattered throughout the kingdom of Persia because of a previous exile. And, um, and at this time, Esther was made queen of Persia and Esther was Jewish, but the king and Haman didn't know that she was Jewish. And um, Haman was a right hand man of the king and uh, Mordecai refused to bow down to Haman and that upset him greatly. And Mordecai was a Jew who was also happened to be Esther's cousin. And in his rage, Haman decides that he's gonna plot to kill all the Jews in Persia and he gets the king on board and he passes this decree planning for the execution of all the Jews. And then in week two, we talked about taking action and how Esther was challenged by Mordecai to stand up 
and yeah. to speak to the king, even though she'd had, had to risk her life to do that, but to speak on behalf of her people. And she does that. She takes action. And at the, where we ended, the king was enraged and ended up killing Haman. And that's where we left off. So this week, we're going to look at the rest of the story and the resolution of the story. Yeah. So as chapter eight begins, Mordecai is now rising in power in the nation. And he goes to the king and the king gives him his signet ring, which formerly Haman had had. And he appointed him over Haman's estate. Uh, so Mordecai is elevated into the position that Haman had once been in. And then Esther goes to the king and she continues her plea. She's done this multiple times already. Uh, but at this point, Haman is out of the picture and she goes to the king uh, saying, put an end to Haman's evil plan. Though Haman is no longer in the story, his plan is still in place. He intended to destroy my people and it will still happen. Mm -hmm. So her request to the king is overturn Haman's edict. And I'm just reminded here of Esther's character. And in the past, we've talked about her bravery, her willing to risk herself in the course of saving her people. Uh, but today I'm just struck by um, her willingness to use her voice for the mm -hmm. sake of people that did not have a voice at that time in the kingdom. And so she speaks up again on behalf of her people saying, save my mm -hmm. people, do not allow this to happen. And the king responds to Esther and he evidently can't um, undo the previous edict that Haman had pushed that the king had approved. He can't overturn that. And so what he does instead is that he issues another decree and he gives the Jews the right to assemble and defend themselves on this day that Haman had plotted to have them all killed. And so he gives the Jews permission to kill their enemies and to plunder them. And I can't help but, but pause and ask here at this part of the story, um, like, the king, really? Like, is that the only thing you could think of? Like, couldn't there be other solutions that were more peaceful than just allowing um, this to continue and more killing? You know, the king's leadership is really lacking throughout the story. And, and we see that here. His decision-making process is, is not stellar. And so he looks at Haman's decree and Haman's decree had ordered people to kill and plunder the Jews. And so what the king does, basically, he levels the playing field. He issues a similar decree saying that the Jews now are allowed to defend themselves and kill and plunder their enemies. Yeah. So though war is about to take place, uh, at least it won't be genocide and a mm -hmm. defenseless people. And so the text says that... Um, uh, for the Jews, when they received this new decree, it was a time of happiness, gladness, uh, joy, and honor. Uh, mm -hmm. They were excited about this opportunity. They would not necessarily um, experience the genocide that had been planned. It says that in every edict uh, and in every pro or in every province and city to which the edict came, mm -hmm. there was joy and gladness, and they begin celebrating and feasting. And, uh, you know, the final thing it says in the, this section is that um, many people of other nationalities became Jews because of their fear of the Jews, because fear had seized them. Remember, Mordecai is now in the second highest place in the kingdom. And so 
just previous to the battle that's about to take place, just previous to the what would have been genocide, um, we see many people of other nationalities moving towards the Jewish nation. There's a great reversal mm-hmm. there for mm-hmm. sure. So this day comes that Haman had plotted um, to have all the Jews killed. And it's interesting as we read the story in chapter 9, many chose not to attack the Jews. Like Mike is saying, many chose to side with the Jews. That Many people were afraid of the Jews and so they acted kindly towards them. And then also in verse 3, it tells us that the nobles and the government officials um, helped the Jews because they feared Mordecai. And, um, and so many chose not to follow through the first decree. Mm-hmm. However, the Jews still had enemies and they, they described their enemies as, as people who hoped to overpower them and who hated them. And these people still attacked the Jews. And I can't help but wonder what it was that motivated this extreme hatred, if it was loyalty to Haman, or if it was um, just the the racist ideology that Haman had articulated prior to this saying, you know, the Jews are different than us and we shouldn't tolerate them. Or if it was just a desire to plunder and have material gain for whatever reason, people still attacked the Jews and the Jews were victorious and they struck down their enemies. You know, it's mentioned three times in the telling of this story that the Jews uh, chose not to plunder their enemies, even though um, they were they were legally allowed to do that, that for them, it wasn't about the material gain. It was about survival. It was about the, the right to live. Yeah, you know, over and over in here, we see kind of the moral contrast between mm-hmm. either the nation of Persia, the king, Haman, and the way the Jewish people are engaging in the story. Yeah. yeah. You know, however we tell this story, um, the fact remains that war is very harsh and very sad. And, and I can't, I continually can't help but think that this could have been prevented that it didn't have to happen this way. Had different decisions been made by the king and by Haman and by others, had hearts been softer and more willing to understand those who were different than them, the story could have unfolded Mm -hmm. differently. And yet even in this incredible mess of a story and with all the evil and all the bad decisions, God is still present and he's working for the good of his people. Yeah. And so war did come and the Jewish peoples were um, victorious in that battle that came their way. And so as the story continues, Mordecai sends word uh, to all of the Israelite people that we will celebrate a new holiday called Purim. Uh, and that refers to the lots that mm-hmm. Haman had cast to determine the day that they would execute all of the Jewish people. And so he institutes this new holiday, uh, a holiday of um, feasting, um, a day in which their mourning would turn to joy and uh, their fasting would turn to feasting, right? This this mm-hmm. day that every year they would celebrate what had been accomplished, what God had done, what his people had been faithful to carry out in this story. And, you know, all of 
Israelites' holidays revolved around some experience of what God had done in their nation. So every year, uh, you know, dozens of uh, different holidays would invite them to both remember what God had done and what God is doing, would invite them to experience something of the past in the present, to kind of relive what God had been doing and was continuing to do through their nation. And I'm really struck by how beautiful a rhythm that is. And we have some of those built into like the liturgical calendar, the ways mm-hmm. that we celebrate. Uh, but I was thinking about our, our, our holidays that we, uh, experience here, um, in our context. And, uh, you know, they revolve around bunnies that lay eggs or like some guy sneaking into your house on Christmas <laughs> Eve. Uh, just uh, kind of strange, unique things and nothing against those. Um, but it, it does, uh, just, um, highlight for me, mm-hmm. um, the beautiful intentionality of Israelites mm-hmm. holidays that say we will use these times to celebrate what God has done and what God is continuing to do. Absolutely. So the book of Esther ends describing Mordecai's greatness. Mordecai became powerful and, and he was very respected. And I want to just read the last verse of um, the book because I think it really highlights Mordecai's character. In verse uh, chapter 10, verse 3, Mordecai the Jew was second in rank to King Xerxes, preeminent among the Jews and held in high esteem by his many fellow Jews because, and this is why, because he worked for the good of his people and spoke up for the welfare of all the Jews. Because he worked for the good of his people and spoke up for their welfare. I love the character of Mordecai here. Yeah. And what's really interesting to me is to contrast the character of Mordecai throughout the story of Esther uh, with that of the king or of Haman. Like, mm-hmm. for instance, Haman, uh, he demanded that people would bow down before him. And when people like Mordecai didn't bow before him, he became jealous and enraged and plotted both murder of the individual and genocide of an entire race of people, right? And so we see this character of Haman, uh, who demands, um, people, uh, to, to pay him honor and then takes violent action when they don't, in, in contrast to Mordecai, who, uh, is esteemed by the Jews because he cared for his people. Mordecai mm-hmm. was a people, a, a person who showed respect for others, and in turn, he gained their respect mm-hmm. through his actions. Now, I want to go to Philippians for a moment. And, and Philippians is Paul's writing to the Christians in Philippi, and he's writing to them, and he says something at the beginning of this letter that is very striking. So I want to read Philippians 1, 3 through 6 together. He writes, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. And this really highlights for me the ongoing nature of God's good work, um, both in us and in, in our church, in our communities, in our world. God is bringing about good. You know, the Holy Spirit um, within us is transforming us, both as individuals and as a community, to reflect the love 
of Jesus. And this is an ongoing work. He will complete it, but at the moment it's ongoing. And so I think this relates quite a bit to, to the story of Esther and the, and the story of our lives, that there's this tension that yes, God is faithful and he is working to bring about good. And also we're still in the middle of the mess yeah. and the, that work hasn't been completed yet. And so it, it just helps us to, to realize that yes, our life is messy sometimes, but God is still working. Yeah, I love that. And I, I do want to highlight something that we mentioned in previous weeks, but um, I wanted to reiterate today. What's fascinating is God is not mentioned throughout right. the entire book mm-hmm. of Esther. And uh, some say, well, there's a problem with that. Um, I think, we think that um, the author, this is beautiful narrative that begs the question when we don't immediately see or hear from God, uh, what is our response? And it's one of trust mm-hmm. and faith and, and, and sure taking action. That Sorry, theory. Siri got confused <laughs> at what I was saying. I hope it's making sense to the rest of us today. So again, our response, uh, whether or not we're hearing from or seeing God immediately in this moment, is um, a, a posture of trust, of faith in God, of taking action, and participating in the things that he's doing. So as we come to the end of this text today, uh, we find ourselves at the resolution of the story in a sense, and yet not all is resolved. When we zoom out and look at the bigger picture, we have Esther who's still in a precarious situation and marriage. Um, we have the Jewish people who are still dip- dispersed amongst many nations, um, and their own temple and city walls are still in the process of being repaired. Um, And it just reminds us that uh, currently in the challenges we're facing, God is at work, but there is a much larger scope of the story of this world and the things that God is doing in it, uh, that God is dealing both with this current circumstance and the many more that exist and the ones that are still to come in our lives. So what does the story of Esther invite us to? We are invited to trust in God in difficult times, to really lean in to God when life is crazy and hard. And I know this is not easy. This is not a trite answer. And yet Esther has some real tangible and practical ways for us to trust God in difficult times. I love in the book of Esther how Esther prayed and fasted when things were really rough and she mm-hmm. she called her community around her to pray and fast with her as they um, were seeking God and his guidance and that's something that we can do they also established regular times to remember what God had done in the past and in their history and in their lives and it makes me ask the question what regular times in our lives daily or weekly or monthly or yearly do we Um, have to stop and remember who God is and what he's done in our life and in history. And also, I mean, we've seen it throughout Esther that Esther and Mordecai took action, that they used their voice to stand up for others, that they lived out what loving community looked like. Mordecai being respected because he cared for people instead of flaunting his power. And so we're invited to do these things, to fast and to pray, to speak out against injustice and to remember who God is and what he's done. 
Absolutely. You know, as I zoom out and look then at the whole story of the book of Esther, um, I'm drawn to this conclusion. Uh, God does bring resolution. God is involved in the circumstances and the situations of our lives. And often resolution comes um, through God working through the activity of his followers, that we are invited to participate in the good things that God is doing in this community and throughout the world. I invite you to pray with me as we close. Dear God, we just thank you so much. Lord, we thank you so much for your presence. Lord, we thank you for how you care for us and how you love us. Lord, how you work for the good of your people um, very visibly in some ways and also behind the scenes. And God, we just ask that you would teach us to trust you and to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So each week we've been sharing a song, something that we can reflect on and, and kind of go a little deeper on the theme that we've been speaking on. And uh, this week we wanted to share a song that's probably familiar to a lot of us. Uh, it's a song called Oceans. And it speaks of this journey where God invites us out into uncomfortable and challenging places. And yet he does not fail us. He walks with us through those seasons. I hope that you find blessing in this song this week. Have a great week. Bye, everyone.